Hey there! Welcome to What's Up Compound, a six-part podcast series exploring the historical context of comprehensive health education in Denver Public Schools. It is brought to you by the Compound team, Rose Barklow, Steph Schneider, and Becca Abeda. Okay, welcome back to our historical context audio files. We are on number two, health skills, and we have a resident expert with us, Stephanie Schneider, the uh, Instruction and Curriculum Specialist for Health Education. Uh, so Steph, um, kind of what is the history of health <laughs> and where did it start? And then where do we really want to see it go? Oh, yes, thank you Rose for having me. Um, I think, yeah, I think it would be helpful to kind of give a little bit of just health education in the past, like the history of it. And so, like you might even think back to what it was like when you had a health class in high school or maybe even middle school. Um, I think in the past, a lot of health ed started out really focused on like specific health topics. Um, Really just how can we impart health knowledge on kids? So like, for example, we wanna teach kids about drugs. Drugs are bad, don't do them. This is what happens to your body. This is what happens to your brain. And the idea was kind of like, if we teach kids that drugs are bad, then they just won't do them, right? Um, We can say the same thing with like sex ed, like don't have sex, it's terrible for you. If we just tell them, oh, this is what's gonna happen, you're gonna get pregnant, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well then they just won't have sex, right? And so I think a lot of the health education classes and the programs around the country were kind of set up that way, structured that way, really around content and the hopes that kids just won't do it. And we learned really quickly that it didn't really change behavior, right? Kids were still experimenting with drugs. They were still interested in being sexually active. Um, Just giving them the knowledge around certain things wasn't really changing behavior. And so I would say the last like 10 to 15 years of research has kind of made us fast forward to what we believe now is really an effective way to teach health which is really kind of, oh, we wanna change the behavior, we can't just give them knowledge. We kinda have to teach them a little bit about skills too. And so the idea is that if kids can learn about health, they can learn about behaviors, they can be empowered to make decisions and they have the skill to actually do so in like a number of different contexts, then we might see them taking it upon themselves to manage themselves, make better decisions based on what they know and kind of be able to apply it to like a real life situation. Um, So that's kind of like, you know, the history of where it's come. And so I think that kind of rolls into like where we are now, which is moving towards what we call skills-based health ed. And it's a fairly new movement. Um, There's still a lot of research coming out around it, but I think DPS as a whole, we've adopted a skills-based approach. And that includes with any nutrition, drugs, alcohol, sex ed, really any topic. We want all of our courses to focus on skills that's really where we think we'll see impact on behavior changing um, and so when we say like a skills-based approach it's really teaching about two-thirds of the time the different health skills and then the other third is kind of layering in the content that best kind of matches with a skill and so when we say like teaching a skill we would say something like analyzing influences we're teaching kids like what does it mean to analyze Who influences your thoughts and your feelings and your actions? And you have internal influences and external influences. And it's really teaching the kids the skill and then how can they take the time to practice that skill, to interact with their peers inside the classroom, outside of the classroom, in the community, 
and they can refine it. So they can get live feedback from any situation and decide, okay, like if I'm really thinking about my communication style, my influences, where I'm getting any information about my health, it kind of helps them to make better decisions and they can kind of better manage themselves. And no matter what the context is, they'll be equipped to be able to apply whatever they've learned along with the skills that they kind of have in any situation. Um, so that's really like a skills-based approach in a nutshell. I don't know if anything else that we would add yeah. to skills. Yeah, I would just say like the thing I hear most often when I tell people about Conference of Health is they always share a memory of their health class, which it's generally this old guy, generally PE teacher, who was really uncomfortable talking about any sort of health topic. And the people I talk with who are adults now, they never really remember what was said. They, what they know is that it was really awkward. And what we really believe is that when you're teaching health skills, that that level of awkwardness isn't there because you're really learning skills in the context of some content but the emphasis is on the skills and not on the content. Yeah, and that's that's really good. Like it kind of rolls into really, there are seven skills and there are an infinite number of different health topics or content that you could talk about and one doesn't necessarily align with the other. So when you kind of dig in and you're looking at the syllabus and we've chosen to say, pair up the skill of accessing valid and reliable information with a topic such as nutrition, those two might pair really well together, but that doesn't mean that accessing information can only be paired with nutrition. We access information about health all the time. We can talk about really any piece of health content with that skill and you can kind of mix and match, right? Like, what do you think your students really need? You're gonna cover all seven skills where you bring in the content is really what's applicable to the students. And so you can kind of mesh with them. They're really flexible. They can be moved around. And so you'll see the syllabus is one way, but it's totally can be moved to whatever fits your student population. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think um, is going to be our biggest barrier um, in getting health skills out to students? Like specifically the skills and teachers understanding how to teach health skills versus health content. I think that's it. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is Teachers aren't used to, one, this new way of doing health that we know is fairly new. I think them learning what the skills are and how to apply them, because these aren't easy things. Like, how do you teach a kid how to communicate? It's tough, it's complicated. I think that teachers need to really learn it. And the other thing I would say is like modeling it with kids, right? These are skills that adults should have as well. They're not just to high school and then beyond, and now they just have these skills never to be touched again. These are things that we as adults are still working on. So I think the biggest barrier is like working with teachers around PD on the skills, working on your team, the comprehensive health team, on better understanding skills and content, and then getting that information out there and coaching them. It's an ongoing process, and it likely will continue to change. That's mm -hmm. the nature of health, and so I think just being flexible with that too. Should we use the fancy word of internalization here? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Internalization. And I think that, that, no, in all reality, it goes with the academic integrity, right? We know that teachers have to internalize what they're teaching to kids, otherwise it's not going to come across. And we see that with our adult SEL stuff as well, is that adults have to be able to relate to the material, to understand the content, to understand the skills, in order to practice and do that with kids. So if they're not internalizing what they're doing with curriculum, with any practices, with health ed in general, it likely won't be the most effective. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think when we look at the history of sex ed, not just in DPS, but um, kind of across the country, um, we see a really similar pattern of kind of, you know, again, someone who's teaching about puberty, about, uh, you know, abstaining from sex, about birth control options, um, and oftentimes it's someone who is really uncomfortable, doesn't necessarily know the content, um, and students feel um, like they're learning that content in an unsafe uh, environment. And so we really want to move um, sex ed, again, as we talked about in the previous audio of like, sex ed is content that can be covered through the health skills. Um, I'm trying to think, Becca, like, what is your experience of coming to DPS and, and kind of what you saw initially when talking with teachers about sex education? Yeah, I think a lot of times teachers will be really nervous and scared, and it usually comes up around the questions they've received in the past, and also that parents might be upset with the information that they're sharing. Mm -hmm. And so I think something that's been helpful for them is having that support from our team in the district that it's okay to be talking about these very normal content areas and also what we can do to set them up for success to answer these questions in a way that we're getting students the information that they need and the resources they need to make their own decisions on it. Yeah, I mean, as we have, we talked with many, many people, many stakeholders this past year, and we, and when we were explaining health skills, when we were explaining the importance of these essential skills to our students, we did not hear anybody say, oh, our students don't need those skills. Like everybody is recognizing that they need the skills and the content that comes along with those skills. Um, and it's really about finding the right teachers, um, making sure they're trained and making sure they, they have internalized both the content and the skills themselves mm -hmm. as they're preparing to teach it. I know that I've heard this, let me know if you guys have heard this, is often when I say, you know, we're focused on health, the three areas that I feel like people think health is, is sex ed, nutrition, and physical activity. And there really isn't an understanding that there are skills that, with these essential skills, these essential health skills, that are at the foundation of what health looks like. And I think that's a, uh, something that's take a long time to turn, but that's a really important uh, piece to turn people's mindsets around what is health. Yeah, I think it's good intentions, right? Of I have this thing I know students need to know about this thing, and I think that's one piece of the puzzle. They do need to know about nutrition. They do need to know about sex ed. But if we're, again, if we're just teaching them content knowledge, it's not going to change behavior. They're not going to be able to do anything if we don't give them the skill to couple with it. So I think that even teachers understand that, oh, I really need my students to learn X, Y, and Z, but getting to that deeper understanding of the teacher says, oh yeah, but I also need to teach them what to do with that knowledge will be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. 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 And I would think, so I wanna to touch on something that Steph talked about in, um, previously was around um, social emotional learning and she gave an example of what that looked like in the PE setting and the health setting. So actually as a district, um, we have a district initiative which says every school has to teach social emotional learning for 20 minutes a day. And generally in K through five, that's gonna be embedded sometime throughout the day. And uh, generally in secondary, we're seeing it in an advisement period. And so until we kind of move towards and solidify a health requirement, which is gonna be a like semester long course, 
this 20 minutes of SEL is an opportunity for teachers and schools to incorporate some of the health skills. And so we really hope to continue to uh, collaborate with the social emotional learning team so that they understand how we can continue to train teachers on um, using this 20 minute opportunity to teach these health skills. Steph, can you give us a little bit of background on the difference between SEL, SEAL, and TSEL? <laughs> yeah, and so I think in our district now, Rose, we're calling them the TCL team group people. Might be one person by the time you hear this, but um, I think social emotional learning has been around for a very long time. It got movement as just SEL, social emotional learning. I think as time went on, uh, kind of alongside with health and that academic integrity piece, they realized that we can't teach SEL even in isolation, just like we can't teach health content in isolation. So it became S-E-A-L with the social, emotional, and academic learning piece. So that the idea was it's really embedded where students are able to practice in context what they're learning about social, emotional learning. And I think it's maybe the last like five years could be a little bit longer. They added the T to the beginning to make it transformative. So kind of couples with our culturally responsive education practices, our like inclusion of different populations, this to make sure that we're hitting all populations and that we're also tackling a big part of the TCL is the adult SEL piece so that we know that adults are the ones that are interacting with students. They also have to work on their own social and emotional learning practices. And so we have to build that into the work that we do with students since they're doing the work with students. Um, so now we're in this transformative social, emotional, and academic learning world, um, hence the TCL. <laughs> Ever-changing acronyms. <laughs> um, and just how it looks real quickly, the sig three signature practices that are in DPS as of today is a warm welcome, engaging practices throughout the day in all different content, and then optimistic closures. Uh, and so that's currently the focus of the TCL team of the, uh, is these three signature practices um, within our schools. And I would just add that that might be a really good opportunity to build upon those three signature practices because those could be embedded in a health course or whatever health work that the teacher is doing. But to take those, you can expand it by say adding in the skills, bringing in a little bit of health content since a third of our standards are social emotional learning standards this might be a really good opportunity to build on those three practices with health ed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say like the biggest challenge uh, in regard to the health skills kind of topic is that this is a new way of teaching that's not even limited to just health, um, that really helping teachers understand that there's skills at the foundation of everything we are providing instruction on, as well as layer on, layering on that content. Um, what do you have to add around the, ch the biggest challenge in, around health skills? Yeah, I think it kind of even could be part of the takeaway too, is that they, the skills too are not in isolation. And so I think it is a new way of teaching, but we can't adopt it as kind of the end all be all. Like, well, we just do skills. Mm -hmm. It's really this like lovely balance and like configuring of all of the things together, but understanding that that explicit instruction might live in health but we need all of these different areas to really make it effective. And I guess like, I'll just do the takeaway. I think the biggest thing to maybe like take away, if nothing else, is really to take those skills, they should be combined in a real life experience, not just an academic world, where students can apply it to everything that they're doing, any decision that they make, anything that they wanna do, inside of the classroom, outside of the classroom. I think that is the missing piece, Rose, is that skills. 
We haven't seen it being taught. We're struggling to work with it. I think it will take some time, but it's that skills piece I think is the biggest missing factor. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the teachers that we do see that come to us that are super passionate about teaching health, they tend to be super passionate about teaching a specific health content. So, oh my God, we really need sex ed or we really need to talk about substance use. And so it's really harnessing all that passion they have about content and helping them understand that if they really want to see students change their behavior, then we need to have this you know, beautiful inter intersection between the skills and the content. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us on this episode of What's Up Comp Health, exploring the historical context of comprehensive health education in DPF.